Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today we have a special crossover episode with Rainbow Skyline, the Nuggets podcast, and the Nuggets beat writer for The Athletic, Kendra Andrews. Kendra, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing well. I think I'm... I'm rested, uh, just like the Clippers. <laughs> I want to know what what was that game seven like for you? Because that was that was fun for me, oh, but man. I can't imagine riding off that. I, I think my neighbors think I'm crazy because of how much I was yelling at my TV um, <laughs> and lots of "What are you doing?" Um, was being yelled. But it was it was not the way I thought the game was going to go. You know, earlier in the day, I was asked if I thought it was what I thought the vibe of this game was. And I said, well, I think it's going to be fast paced and high scoring, which is the exact opposite of what happened. But it, it almost fell apart there at the end. And it was very um, reminiscent of the Nuggets game seven against the Blazers in the Western conference semis last season, because last year they had a 17 point lead, which they, ended up blowing. And last night they had a 19 point lead that they ended up blowing. So it looked not great for, for a bit, but you know, that play by Gary Harris at the end, poking the ball away from Donovan Mitchell. And they're very lucky that Mike Connolly missed that, that last shot or else that we, I would not be here right now if that happened. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that last sequence was just like, um, you know, it, it to your point, it was a rock fight, and I think it just kind of proved that no matter if there's home court advantage or no home court advantage, uh, game sevens always just end up being the, the the nerves and the defense and and the refs kind of swallowing the whistle because I felt, especially down the stretch of that game, you know, there were so many foul calls they just didn't call because it was like, hey, this is game seven, um, right. you know, let them let them play it out. But um, that that last like. 10, 12 seconds were just... <laughs> I mean, yeah, last night, uh, Tory Craig crashed Jamal Murray's post-game press conference, and he said, I thought you were going to shoot it. And Jamal <laughs> said, no, I was going to you. And, and I mean, even Nicola said, you know, we can laugh about it now, but um, if, like I said, if if Mike Connolly hit that shot, they would not be laughing. That's That's for sure. So I think they're... They're just glad that that little flub down at the end didn't cost them the series. That that would have been insane. So <laughs> let, let's dig into it. Uh, the Western Conference semifinals matchup, the two-seeded Clippers versus the three-seeded Nuggets. Uh, these teams played three times during the regular season in January, February, and August. The Nuggets won the first matchup 114 to 104 in Denver. The Clippers won the second matchup 132 to 103 in L.A., and the Clippers won the third matchup to basically seal the two seed, 124 to 111 in the bubble. Um, so Clippers lead the season series 2-1. I would say that none of the games were really full encapsulations of either of the three, uh, either of the two teams, rather. Um, you know, first game, there was no Paul George. Uh, second game, uh, I believe there was no Paul Millsap or Montrez Harrell. And then in the third game, no Pat Beverly, no Gary Harris, no Will Barton. So each game has featured both teams uh, missing one or two starters or key pieces. Uh, So we haven't really seen these teams at full strength. Now, on the Clippers side, Pat Beverly uh, is expected to be back for game one. 
Doc said it's pretty likely, but he, he wouldn't fully guarantee it. And for the Nuggets, obviously Gary Harris came back the last couple of games of the Utah series, isn't 100% yet, but did play some crucial defense in Game 7. And seems like Will Barton's status is unknown, although you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, so it, this is probably the, the guys that are going to be available, you know, barring an injury or, or a suspension or something um, during the series. So we are going to see Game 1, both teams at full strength or, or relatively at full strength. Um, so what is the question from the Nuggets side that jumps out at you when you look at this matchup? I think, you know, I think the first, well, there are a couple questions, but I think in terms of matchups, it's going to be how to get around the Clippers defense, particularly whoever they put on Jamal Murray. And I guess that can kind of reflect back to a question on to you in a second, but I mean, Obviously, Jamal, he's the reason why the Nuggets were able to take that series against Utah to seven games. If he did not show up the way he did in games five and six, they would have fallen, you know, four to one in the series. Um, but because of his, you know, 50 point game that game six, it they were able to survive in advance. That being said, there wasn't a clear matchup for Jamal Murray on that Utah team. You know, they put Royce O'Neal on him in game two, and that gave him a stutter for a second, but then he he completely figured it out. Now, the Clippers are a much better defensive team than the Jazz are, so I think whoever they put on Jamal Murray is going to be really key on how he can work around whoever they put on them him. And so then I guess my, my follow-up question back to you would be, you know, Patrick Beverly is, is expected, but still maybe who, who do you see them putting on Jamal Murray? I I think it has to be Kawhi Leonard. Um, If you, you know, I, I went back and watched all three games and what stood out to me on the tape was that game one, they started with Pat on, on Jamal. And I, I thought Jamal just got a bunch of clean looks. Um, you know, Pat Clippers have actually liked using Pat more on wings than on guards because, um, you know, he, he, with the knee injuries and, and various ailments he's had through the years, he's lost some of his quickness. And I, I think the elite point guards, um, you know, the, the really good guys off the dribble, like a Jamal Murray, um, Pat, it, it, you know, he can hang with them, but he, he's not going to fully lock them down. And I, I think him, you know, on wings with the ability to switch onto a guard, um, you know, if they run a, you know, a guard wing pick and roll, that's where you kind of see more defensive value for Pat. Um, so what the Clippers did in that second game was actually switch Kawhi onto Jamal. And then you saw that in the second and third game that Kawhi d- defended Jamal primarily when he was on the floor. And I thought it actually worked. And, and that's kind of one of my interesting things from, from the Clippers side of this is, the Clippers have not seen this version of Jamal Murray. And I, I guess technically only Utah has seen this version <laughs> of Jamal Murray. But the, the Jamal they saw and the Jamal I saw going back on the tape was, um, you know, he averaged only, I think, 13 points a game in the season series. Um, and, and now part of that was that second game they, they blew out the Nuggets. And, and by the beginning of the fourth, the Nuggets were resting their guys. And then that seeding game, uh, similarly, the Nuggets decided to bench their guys in the fourth. So there was, you know, 10 to 12 minutes in, in both games that Jamal could have maybe gotten up closer to that 20 point mark. But I did think from watching 
um, some of the, the pick and roll actions with Kawhi, he does a really good job against Jamal. And, and, you know, I think you've seen teams do this historically, especially the last few years is putting a bigger wing defender on, you know, shot happy point guards. So I do think the Clippers are probably going to start with Kawhi on Jamal. And I also think it makes it easier to switch because the Clippers like to switch a lot mm-hmm. with pick and roll coverage. So if, if it's Jamal and Nicola, you can put Kawhi on, on, on Jokic and not feel great about it, but, but feel okay versus putting Pat on him, which is a clear mismatch. So um, I, I do think the Clippers are going to put Kawhi on Jamal. It, it is going to be taxing, especially this version of him that's going to be taking a lot more shots and involved in a lot more actions. Um, but, you know, I don't think you can mess around when you're in the conference semifinals. And, and with a team in Denver that I think it has a lot of momentum coming off winning three straight games, coming off of overcoming a 3-1 deficit, like they do have a lot of rhythm. And, and Doc mentioned that today. So I think it is going to have to be Kawhi. Uh, I think they'll mix it up. PG will get some on him. Pat Bev will get some on him. But um, I do think it's going to be Kawhi. Yeah. I also think, you know, Jamal has struggled in the past um, shooting over longer guards, kind of, as you mentioned, you know, putting a bigger wing out on on a shooting happy player, especially because Jamal is a smaller guard. Um, and so I think that that would really go to the, the Clippers favor because he doesn't do as well over guys with longer limbs, especially and then when you factor in how good of a defensive player Kawhi Leonard is in general, that could definitely give him some trouble. And, and that was around the time because I, I thought that the best job he did on him was in the February matchup, which was at, at the end of February when, when the Clippers blew them out at, at Staples Center. And that was around the time Kawhi was really starting to lock in defensively. And um, there were a couple of clips I included. Um, one where he just, you know, they, they kind of run a, a weak side screen for Jamal to, to get him into a pick and roll and Kawhi just reads it perfectly, traces him around the screen, navigates it and, and then pokes the ball away. And I think Kawhi, when he is engaged, is very capable of that stuff. So I guess for the Denver side, one thing I find interesting is um, how they're going to divvy up the wing minutes because mm-hmm. we know Jokic is going to play 38, 40 minutes. We, we know Jamal Murray is going to play 38, 40 minutes, but those other three spots to me are, are, are so crucial because on one side you need guys like Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig, Gary Harris for their defense, but you also need some offense. Like the, the Clippers are not going to have a 80 to 78 rock fight. with <laughs> Like the, the Clippers are the number one, uh, you know, offense in, in terms of offensive efficiency in the playoffs. And they were number two in the regular season. So Clippers are putting up 115, 120 every night, regardless of the defense. So I, I think if you're Denver, you're kind of in this weird position where it's like, okay, well, we need Craig and Harris and Grant out there to defend Kawhi and PG and, and Lou Williams, but we also need some offense and, and we need some Michael Porter Jr. We need some Monte Morris. Um, you know, they go to that Morris Murray backcourt with, with the two point guard. So, how do you see them kind of, f- you know, figuring out those wing minutes and, and do they go more for the offense? Do they go more for the defense? Like, how do you see them determining that? I think, I think their first priority, at least when you're talking about, you know, a starting lineup is it's going to be defense. Um, So I think you're going to continue to see Jeremy Grant in that starting lineup. I personally think that Michael Malone should take Paul Millsap out of the starting lineup and plug in Torrey Craig because Paul Millsap has been pretty non-existent in the playoffs so far. He really struggled 
on both ends of the floor. You know, he was missing rotations on defense and he was really, he had to fight for every basket that he got and he didn't get very many. So I think he is a little bit of a liability right now. And, and I think that he should switch him out for, for Tory Craig, who is a more defensive minded player. And then, yeah, when you start, you know, rotating those guys around, one thing that the Nuggets really like is having Tory Craig and Gary Harris on the floor together because they feed off of each other and they make each other's jobs easier. Now, of course, when they were playing against Utah, they were playing against smaller guards and not the wings that Los Angeles has. That's a much bigger task. So I could see, you know, him subbing one of those three guys out of Jeremy Grant, Tory Craig or Gary Harris, having two of them on the floor together and then having Michael Porter Jr. come in as that offensive um, spark, we'll call it, because, yeah, Michael Porter Jr.'s defense definitely has some work to do, but he is a scorer and the Nuggets, like you said, are going to need that as well. I don't think there is going to be many moments when we don't see any of those three defenders of Grant, um, Harris and Craig on the floor. You know, I don't think there's going to be many moments when all three of them are on the bench at the same time, because then the Nuggets defense is going to completely break down and crash. So I think there's going to be a lot of staggering those three together and plugging in guys like Jamal Monte and Michael Porter Jr. to make sure that there is some offense there as well. In a perfect world, you know, Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant would start hitting some of their shots, especially shots that are more open. They have that ability and they have done it before, but recently it's been much less than they have done in the past. So if those guys can start hitting the shots that are pretty much given to them, that would really, really help the Nuggets kind of balance out that defense and offense priorities. Live sports are back. It's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure your Nuggets are as safe as possible when that matchup happens. Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawn Mower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit which is the perfect add-on to the Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and includes slashed tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. I'm with you. I, I think Grant, um, it, it, you know, he's someone I, I just wrote about for my my preview um, in the regular season matchups. And, and again, I, I try not to take away too much from it just because th- there were guys missing. There was some resting going on. You know, a couple of the games were blowouts. But um he, he averaged almost 19 points a game against the Clippers and mm-hmm. nine free throw attempts, which, you know, he only averaged 2.8 during the regular season. So um, just looking at it, like 
he found ways to attack the Clippers and, and take them off the dribble. Um, you know, obviously does a really good job of, of cutting off of Jokic and being in that dunker spot and, and ready when guys are driving for, you know, for dump off pass. And um, I thought offensively, he really did a nice job of attacking the Clippers, getting them in foul trouble and, and just kind of finding the creases in the defense of, you know, where he could find openings. And then defensively, um, he might be the key to the series in that, you know, he held Kawhi to four of 14 shooting uh, in, in the regular season. Again, small sample, but um, he blocked him a couple times at the rim. He, he had, a, you know, a few nice contests on, on Kawhi mid-range jumpers, which are like uncontestable with the way Kawhi plays. So I do think playoff Kawhi is a different beast. And um, I've wrote about how great he's been in the, in the playoffs and um, really picked off where he, he left off, you know, with Toronto in, in the first round against Dallas. But uh, Jeremy Grant to me is like, um, he might be the X factor overall in the series because if he can hit shots, as you're saying, and really just find a way to be maybe that that third or fourth contributor offensively, and then defensively, the ability to defend Kawhi, to defend PG, to even play some center technically defensively and like block shots, protect the rim, like that's a very valuable piece that I think could swing this series or at least swing a game which could swing the series. Right. I mean, he, one of the reasons why the Nuggets love Jeremy Grant so much is he is really versatile. And when Paul Millsap went down with an injury earlier in the season, they really got to see what he could do as the center, as you were saying, you know, see him play in that position, be the uh, primary shot blocker and stuff. And I think in terms of just the build, his physical build, it matches up much better with the build of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, because those are bigger guys. Gary Harris is pretty small. And even though he is the Nuggets best perimeter defender, you know, he could still be pushed around or taken advantage of by these guys who are just physically bigger than him, where I think Jeremy Grant has a better chance of standing his ground against the size of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. How, how do you think the Nuggets counter um, the, the Clippers really targeting Nikola Jokic? Because I, I do think that's going to come. And, you know, whereas Denver, or I mean, sorry, uh, Utah had the Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert pick and roll, and, and sometimes the Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert pick and roll. But for the most part, it was Donovan Mitchell. And, and he was spectacular and he put on a show. But the Clippers have, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who I, I would you know, put ahead of Donovan Mitchell and in, in just in terms of scoring and, and playoffs and stuff. Uh, Paul George, who is capable of 30, 35 point eruptions. And even a guy like Lou Williams, who who actually played really well against the Nuggets in the regular season. Um, so th- I think the Clippers have, that's before we even talk about Marcus Morris, who has really found mm-hmm. his groove w- with the Clippers. So the Clippers obviously have more offensive weapons than the Jazz. They have different ways to target Jokic and, and really draw him, you know, if they're going to hide him on a wing, you know, if they're trying to hide him on Marcus Morris, for example, Marcus Morris can take him off the dribble or, or post him up like and, and hit turn turnarounds and, and fadeaways and stuff. So I guess, how do you envision them, you know, hiding him? And I know they had switched him out of the pick and roll defensively sometimes um, in, in like game six, but what do you think their strategy is going to be with, with Jokic? Do they downsize maybe to grant sometimes late in games defensively or or we, we saw Plumley at the end of game seven like what, what do you think they do with that yeah I mean I think that's definitely going to be a big thing for for the Nuggets 
I think you kind of hit it right there with Jeremy Grant. You know, we were just talking about him before and his ability to play at the center spot and just have that presence in the paint. And I do think that that is going to be something that they fall back on because that is also something that they did again when um, Paul Millsap was out earlier in the season they did kind of use Jeremy Grant as that defensive kind of put him wherever you need him to be. And I think that that's going to be really big. And I mean, they're, they're going to need a lot of help or Nicole Jokic is probably going to need a lot of help. You know, he's probably won't be able to handle all of it on his own, as you said, because they will be targeting him. And so again, it goes back to those three defensive wings. Where can they, kind of step in to assist Nikola Jokic in these, in these situations. And also Nikola Jokic has to work on improving that part of his game. You know, if he wants to be the best player on this team, it is something that he's going to have to get better at and make it harder for teams to attack him so much. You know, they, they have to find some adjustments with him, like him personally that make it, at least more challenging um, for whichever Clipper decides to go at him to get whatever they want. Uh, another thing I, I noticed from the regular season matchups was that Avita Zubots, mm-hmm. who um, we've covered on the Clipper side, you know, extensively that, you know, a lot of his metrics are, um, you know, as a rim protector uh, led the league in, in, in terms of field goal percentage allowed at the rim and, has a lot of really good defensive metrics, um, and, and he fared decently well against uh, Jokic. And I mean, Jokic went eight for sixteen, uh, so you know, still fifty percent. But there, there were a couple times uh, Zubots blocked him. Uh, a couple times he, he pushed him out of position and, and altered his shot. And one thing the Nuggets did counter with was uh, you know a lot of pick and pops, a lot of Jokic hitting threes, um, you know, spot ups as guys are running other stuff on on the strong side. So. I noticed in the, the Jazz series, Jokic was shooting a lot of threes. He, he and he was hitting them at a pretty high clip. Um, so you know, Rudy Gobert is at a different level defensively than Ivica Zubat. So you know, I, I guess it's one thing if Gobert forces Jokic to be a jump shooter, but I mean, if Zubats is in there and he's doing okay against Jokic, do you think they will run more sets for for Jokic to you know shoot threes? Has that kind of been their counter this season? when guys are able to kind of body him a little bit on the post? I think it is. And, you know, the thing with Nikola Jokic is that he, he has, he he is a good shooter. You know, it's when he does that, it's not necessarily forced because he does already have the ability to shoot from a longer distance than a lot of other guys, his size can do. I think in early in the series, they're going to want him to go to the paint, especially if other perimeter shooters are have the the shooters touch. You know, if Jamal Murray just picks up where he left off, Jokic probably won't be shooting as many threes. But if he is facing more of a challenge in the paint and can't really get what he wants, I think the Nuggets would feel comfortable giving him the go-ahead to start shooting, especially if he starts knocking them down. If he doesn't knock them down, then they need to figure out another adjustment, whether that's, you know, let's try and draw a double team on Jokic and then some uh, someone else will have to step up and, and hit another shot. But 
they don't mind when Nikola Jokic shoots threes. And that's not the case with a lot of centers. You know, I feel like a lot of coaches, when they see their centers shooting threes, unless you're, you know, Anthony Davis or Nikola Jokic, very few players, they get upset because that's not what they want their big guy to do. But Nikola Jokic is a different kind of animal. You know, he's their point center and he has, it's already in his repertoire. So I think that they would be okay with him doing that um, as long as he's actually hitting them. And really it's pick your poison because if, if you do double him, you do trap him. That's when the cuts happen. That's when mm-hmm. the shooters, um, you know, there's another clip I used where, uh, you know, he, he's on the block and Kawhi starts kind of moving towards him and, and Kawhi is defending Jamal and Jamal just relocates. Nikola hits him wide open for a three. And it's like, that's what, when you have arguably the best passing center ever, um, that, that's what happens when you double him is he, he finds the open guy. So let, let's get into predictions here. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is your thoughts on on how long this series will go? Do, do you have like a range? Are you in between two numbers or, or do you feel kind of safe picking um, what, you know, one outcome right now? I feel pretty safe. I Maybe a little in between, but I'm definitely leaning towards Clippers and five, maybe six. Um, you know, you mentioned that the Nuggets have a lot of momentum coming off that seven game series against Utah coming back from a 3-1 deficit. And that is definitely true. However, I think in that game seven, we really started to see it take a toll on them physically and probably mentally as well. After that game, they just looked really exhausted besides their adrenaline of them being so excited of what they had just accomplished. However, after later that night, after the game, Jamal Murray was on sports center and Scott Van Pelt said, so, you know, you have your turn. The turnaround is really quick. You have the game Thursday and Jamal Murray's entire face just went blank. And he's like, we don't have two days off. And, and SVP goes, no. And so I think that just went to show how much the Nuggets wanted just that extra day because that would have allowed them one day to rest, watch film, have a conversation uh, about the Clippers, the matchups, the Clippers play calls, all these things. And then the next day, okay, let's get back on the court and run some drills and practice. But they didn't get that. And so today, they when they practiced, they didn't do anything physical. It was that watch film, have conversations, because Michael Malone wanted to give them a physical break. And I think unless the Nuggets can really shake that off, I think the, the Clippers are going to have a really good opportunity to come out in game one and kind of just really give it to them early and start this series off very much in favor of the Clippers you know, I think I don't think the Nuggets are going to fold in four games, um, but I, I do I do think the Clippers are going to have the upper hand in this one. We're in agreement. Uh, I do think that uh, I was between five and six um, just from seeing what happened with the Clippers and the Mavericks and uh, what I kind of felt was. The Clippers not taking the Mavericks very seriously over the first couple of games. Um, and that probably had more to do with them being a seven seed, them not having much experience, it, it being Luca and mm-hmm. uh, Porzingis' first you know, playoff appearance. But 
I don't think they're going to take Denver as lightly. Um, you know, I think they do remember that first game in Denver where, you know, it felt like Denver kind of punked them a little bit. Uh, then they returned the favor at Staples Center. And um, I remember Denver having that team meeting in, in the locker room and yeah. uh, kind of, you know, talking about how, you know, they, they felt the Clippers were more physical and um, they, they can't have that. So uh, I saw Mike Malone talking about it again today about the, the physicality. And, and I think Tory Craig talked about it. So, I ultimately think, you know, my biggest question mark with Denver is the defense. And while I do think they have individual perimeter defenders to um, kind of limit Kawhi and PG at, at times, I think the the center and the, and the point guard spots are the weaknesses. And I, I think the Clippers have enough weapons to target those guys to get the matchups that they want. And, you know, I, I think it's just it's going to be nonstop, like whether it's the starters or the bench, the Clippers have so many guys to attack you with. We, we didn't even mention Montrez Harrell, um, who mm-hmm. also averaged, you know, 20 plus against the Nuggets. So for me, I think this is going to be a big Paul George series. I think he's um, someone that, you know, is obviously struggling right now with, with um, you know, mental health and, and mentioned being in a dark place. So that is something that could, you know, pop up again in in this series. But I think now that he's, opened up about it and talked about it. Um, he, he's in a different place. So uh, if Paul George is, is playing well and he played well against Denver in the two matchups, like I, I just think there's really not many teams, if any, that could beat the Clippers. So I'm with you. My, my official pick is Clippers in five. I, I think it could go six um, with, with the way Jamal was playing. Like if he continues that, mm-hmm. um, this definitely could go six. But as of right now, I'm, I'm with you. Clippers in five. Yep. So, Kendra, where can people find you on social media and where can they read your work? Absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at Kendra two underscores Andrews, because by the time I joined Twitter, there was already a Kendra underscore Andrews. And she's always directing people to my account. So (laughs) make less work for her. (laughs) So Kendra two underscores Andrews on Twitter. And then you can read all of my work at The Athletic under the either Denver vertical or the Nuggets vertical and everything's right there. Definitely check her out. If you're a Clippers fan, be you should be monitoring all the Nuggets content during this series. Um, I'm looking forward to reading what you write and writing about this. I think it's going to be a fun matchup. Um, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha. It's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. You can read my work on The Athletic on the Clippers page or under my author page. And as always, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please do so and be sure to rate and review. Thank you, guys. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably have another pod later in the series. But, probably. Uh, g- g- glad to kick it off the right way. <laughs> Same. <laughs>